0: Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of L.A.'s best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are.
1: Hi, this is Laura Burheny from Animal Attraction Unlimited.
2: And I'm Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehavin' Canine. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Today we're going to talk about fear and reactivity and shyness and... Me? Dogs. Oh, dogs. (laughs) Dogs. Okay. Yeah, I thought I'd scare you, just for fun. You know, I have a dog that is not terribly shy, but kind of shy. And we were just here, and she was exhibiting a little bit of it. And it got me thinking about how often people have dogs that have this kind of behavior patterns
1: mm-hmm.
2: and they kind of mislabel it and they really mismanage it mm-hmm. and unfortunately they grow it bigger instead of
1: instead of trying to help the dog through it bringing it they down. start yeah they try to correct the dog or do something obnoxious to get the dog out of it and what they're actually doing is not being supportive of their dog and making the situation worse making the dog feel like they're on their own to deal with things
2: yeah there's actually a whole lot of ways to make it worse I mean you can make it worse by over coddling it mm-hmm. you can make it worse by having anxiety you can make it worse by overhandling and being aggressive mm-hmm. you know there's so many ways that you can mishandle it so let's sort of give a well, let's give a bit of a picture of what we're talking about yeah what does say, reactivity
1: or fear look like right. what are we talking about specifically
2: a shy dog, the way I would define a shy dog, is a dog that's a little bit uncomfortable with people moving in too close with them, mm-hmm. or, or other animals moving in too close with them. They just can't take a lot of pressure. So they can't, and when I say pressure, I mean anybody pushing in too far into their space. Now, could a shy dog be a reactive dog? Yes. Could mm-hmm. a shy dog be a fearful dog? Yes. yes. Could a dog a shy dog be a fear-aggressive dog? Yes. Yes. But all of those things don't have to exist. Oh, you were answering your own
1: questions? Okay, sorry. I thought I was supposed to jump in there somewhere.
2: No, I kind of liked the chorus we had going there. <laughs> anyway, but but do are all of those things the same? No, they aren't. Shyness can exist all by itself. You can have a shy dog that's not aggressive, or sh- or not fear yes. aggressive. Yes, you can have. My a first sh- dog was like that. You can have a shy dog that's not terribly reactive.
1: Mm-hmm. My um, first dog was like that.
2: Yeah, so you – and you can have a shy dog that's not fearful. You can have a dog that's just a little uncomfortable, but it's not necessarily from a place of fear. They're just maybe not a dog that's inclined to go out and seek out a lot of attention.
1: Right. That they would just rather everybody just keep walking by. They don't go looking for – they don't solicit for attention.
2: But they aren't necessarily rattled by it either. Right. So there's a whole lot of things to look at. But one of the things that happens is that people – Will are very quick to label something I think what they think they see so recently I talked to a friend of mine who has a friend who lives out of state and she's got a dog that it sounds like is shy and reactive mm-hmm. and when she was telling me about the dog she said the dog is fear aggressive and I said okay and how did we ascertain that it's fear aggressive what, what were the right. criteria that we used to decide that the dog was fear aggressive and she said, "Well, you know, I don't really know, but she took it to a trainer at a very well-known um, chain store. Chain store, yes, who had decided that the dog was fear aggressive, and and um, how did
1: they handle that?
2: <laughs> well, I know one of, uh, for sure. I know that one of the things that she told
1: me was that they were doing the little shh and poking the dog. So here, is, the dog is. Wait, so let me picture this. Here, the dog is." Looking at something that is obviously causing him to be nervous. Worrying to him. Yes. Yes. And probably has his back to his owner because he wants to keep his eye on whatever is making him nervous. And then his owner is poking him in the side and going,
2: (laughs) and making, yeah.
1: So now the dog has to look over his shoulder as well as keep his eye on whatever's in front of him. Right.
2: And I think most people who have watched um, TV shows have seen that kind of thing on television. A lot of trainers that have seen that on television have really bad things to say about it or, or find it worrying because I think that if I were to take a person and put them in a situation where they had anxiety about something and then I were to walk Like you face me them. towards a tarantula? Yeah, something that's And I'm really out. nervous
1: and trying to keep an eye on where the tarantula is moving and then somebody comes up behind me and goes and pokes me in the shoulder? And
2: pokes you and makes a startling noise. I don't think it's really going to help you.
1: No, and they'll probably get an elbow in the mouth.
2: It is going to change your focus for a minute, but it's not necessarily going to help you handle that situation.
1: And it's not going to make me trust that person.
2: Right. So first of all, the dog that she described to me seemed to me less fear aggressive Mm -hmm. and more shy Mm -hmm. and worried. Definitely some, some apprehension, okay, and reactive. Yeah. So what he was doing was he was barking. He would say okay. something new and he would start to do the alarm bark, 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 bark which is usually a dog that's insecure. Mm-hmm. freaked out and they're trying to say, stay away, stay away, stay away. They're doing right. everything that's that exactly, they can yeah. to keep you to stay away. So, you know, if you take that dog that's doing everything that he can to, to get somebody to stay away and you come up and you <laughs> scare them
1: some more, I don't see that how that's going to help. And now he has to be scared from both sides. There's no place... Comfortable for him to go. There's no place for him to trust. Right. For him to go, well, that over there scares me. At least I'm standing next to somebody I can trust. And now he can't even trust whoever he's standing next to. And I can imagine
2: that if you you were to do that over and over again, and you were to really, you know, give the dog enough reason to be feeling out in the cold, mm-hmm. everything scary in front of him, that he would then become fear aggressive. That he would then try biting. To get mm-hmm. out of it, to see what can I ha- what happens when I bite? Whether he bites the person who's poking him,
0: yeah, they re- him,
2: right? Right, or or he now starts to go out and say, okay, well the alarm barking isn't working well for me, so now I'm just going to run up and take a, a
1: swipe at you, right. right? Well, and not only that, but I've known dogs that you know their focus is forward, and they're doing that, and they're going, you know, everything is going forward because they're barking at whatever it is, trying to get them to go away and then as soon as the person's energy as soon as they touch that dog and that person's energy goes into their dog they're trying to distract the dog but in actuality what's happening is that their energy is now sending the dog more forward
2: right right because they're giving the dog backup basically right
1: because because the dog or it's it's like the it's like the go cue yeah. They, yeah they they touch the dog and it startles the dog instead of the dog turning around and becoming distracted now the dog goes ah and lunges forward right so you know, there, as I said, there are a lot of ways to mishandle
2: that kind of thing. But first of all, let's look at reactivity. What is reactivity? Reactivity is when a dog reacts to something, mm-hmm. and normally we label it high reactivity when the dog reacts in a very overblown sense, right?
1: When they, when they react really obviously. Yeah, high pitched barking loud, obnoxious behavior, uh, lunging at the end of the leash.
2: Even jumping
1: backwards is Mm -hmm. reactivity. It's it's when the dog, when there's the sudden burst of
2: sort of wild energy or or a prolonged burst of energy, but it's got a frantic quality to it. Mm -hmm. Usually reactivity has a a quality of a frantic sort of reactive escaping quality to it, even if the dog is not trying to escape, even if they're trying to escape by going forward Mm -hmm. and scaring somebody. So... If you think about it, when a dog is in that act of reacting and there's that, you know, big burst of of energy, the worst thing you could do is now add your <laughs> your burst or, or a catalyst for that t- to escape. Mm-hmm. Because although I've heard it said before when I've watched TV that that's an escape for that energy, the reality is that you are letting that energy escape but you're in a way encouraging it to come out however potentially aggressive or or fearful it might be okay and unfortunately you're also adding fuel to the fire <laughs> because you're adding a well, reason to be worried about not something Not only that else. but in a
1: way you're reacting too you're being reactive also so here the dog is doing his thing mm-hmm. and you're going pssst, mm-hmm. pssst, and that, you're lunging forward and and being just as quick and reactive. I mean, basically, you're kind of like a snake. Right. You're reaching out and you're striking the dog yeah. with the sound of That's a snake. What reminds me of. The other thing that I think that they wanted to use, and I'm not totally
2: sure about this one, but I believe the other thing she told me that they wanted to use was an electric collar. And I really cannot see how adding... That kind of stimulation too. is going to ever help a situation like that because yeah. basically it's going to bring the dog's anxiety levels up even higher. Um, and I think that people who use that to try to squelch that kind of thing bring the anxiety level up to the point where um, the dog shuts down mm-hmm. and that's what they're looking for and they, they call that a success. Um, but unfortunately... Shutting down is
1: not necessarily... The same thing as fixing the problem.
2: Yeah, it's not the antidote
1: to high energy. Shutting
2: down is just temporarily putting a lid on it.
1: It's suppressing the behavior, and that behavior is either going to come back later with more gusto, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: more vengeance, Mm -hmm. or it's going to come out in some other form.
2: Right. So another reason that a lot of times this becomes a problem is because the people who are soliciting attention from the dog don't realize that the dog is telling them don't do that
1: yes the dog is saying there's a problem here and what they should be doing is saying oh there's a problem here let's fix it let's see how we can fix it well
2: that's the owner but the people people who approach a dog a lot of very well-meaning people I've had this happen a million times they'll have it I'll be working with a dog that's got some shine issues, shyness issues, and they'll come in and they'll think, well, if I'm really, really friendly, <laughs> that'll help the dog feel better. Yeah. Unfortunately, what it helps the dog feel is a lot of pressure.
1: <laughs> right. Because when people try to be friendly, they stare at the dog in the face, they lean over, they bend down, they stick their hand out. They push themselves further into the dog's let's space. let him smell my hand first, as if right. he didn't smell you from 30 or 50 feet away. He well, smelled you from 30 or 50 feet away. You don't have to stick your hand in his face for him to be able to smell you.
2: And the dog is saying, back off, back off, back off, please back off. And you're pushing further into their space. Even if they're not reactively barking, a dog that is shrinking back and trying to pull away Mm -hmm. and hide and do that whole thing, when you bring up your efforts to be friendly but you're focusing all your attention directly on the dog, you're doing exactly what scares the dog to death Mm -hmm. because they want you to ignore them. Mm -hmm. That's what they want. They want to be... Left alone. They want you to ignore them. They want to be invisible. Have you ever been, you know, for this could resonate with some people. Have you ever gone to a party where you weren't that comfortable and you just wished to be invisible? Me. Yeah, me too. I've been there. I, I mean, I don't think everybody feels that, but there are certainly usually anybody knows someone who has felt that way mm-hmm. at some point they just wanted to be invisible mm-hmm. and the worst thing that people can do for you when you're in that place of wanting to shrink back and be invisible is really trying to spotlight on right
1: you, you send 10 people over to the corner <laughs> to talk to me and i'm gonna shoot you later <laughs> seriously (laughs) but we have we have a mutual friend who uh, had his dogs at an agility competition Mm -hmm. and one of them was in an exercise pen and he went to run one of his dogs and came back and there's this man leaning into the exercise pen leaning over trying to pet his dog who was curled up in the farthest corner trying to do everything she can to get this man to go away I mean she's not being overtly reactive but all of her body language says please go away and the man is trying to pet her Right. And so our friend says, what are you doing? Oh, I'm trying to pet the dog. And he says, can't you see that she doesn't want you to pet her? She's doing everything she can to keep you from petting her. And he, oh, But I just want to pet her.
2: Right. Well, and I think that a lot of times people think they're doing good. They think, oh, well, it's because the dog doesn't understand I'm a friendly stranger.
1: Oh, every dog likes me.
2: Yes. So they, if they just understand my intention, they'll be okay. That is isn't necessarily so. Some For some dogs, just as for some people, I just want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be left alone by you, per se. I just want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. I just don't want strangers coming into my, my realm right now. Now, as an owner, I want to work on that. And I want to try to bring that dog out of the shell. And that's my job. My yes. job is to try to fix that problem. Right, because... But as, but as a passerby observer, my job isn't to fix your dog. My dog is to be respectful and not make the problem worse.
1: Right. So f- from a, an owner's standpoint, if you have a dog like this and you need to help fix it, but also if you're out and about and you see a dog that's shy, try to do everything you can not to... Pressure it. Exactly. To put any pressure on it. And pressure can be talking
2: to the dog, it can be eye contact, it can be pushing into the dog's space. I mean, we use the extreme examples of somebody coming in and reaching over an X-pen and trying to touch that dog. But sometimes pressure can just be standing there staring at the dog. Staring and staring
1: and staring and staring at the dog. If the dog is really uncomfortable, sometimes the kindest thing you can do is look away. Right. I mean, I've had dogs that I've been working with that are reactive on the street, and Mm -hmm. it's coming from a place of fear. And so we're trying to work on it, and somebody's walking by, like, even across the street or someplace else in the park, and they're walking 20 or 30 feet away, and the dog is reacting, and we're trying to work on it, and the person stops. Right. And watches. Right. And you're going, can't you see that you are the problem? Well, and I don't think they can. And I think it's really
2: easy to get upset, and I've also gotten irritated. But the truth is, I don't think that they can. I think that people want to help. And, I think, and I'm hoping that with sending this out there, that we can just reach a few more people and make them realize it's actually not helpful. It's actually counterproductive. When you put that kind of pressure on the dog... You're doing the exact opposite of what the dog is asking you to do. It's not because they don't understand you're not friendly. It's because they don't want to be friendly with you. Mm-hmm. So now that's the owner's job to work with that, not yours. I've taken dogs before that were shy, and, and or I've gone to places where people have had shy dogs, and we've been in the midst of maybe an agility trial where there are a lot of people around that are, quote, dog people. Uh-huh. And they all want to help. Mm -hmm. And they all do what they believe is going to help. And unfortunately, even though the dog is sending out signals, this isn't helping. No. You're freaking me out here. They keep pushing in. and, And what they need to do is cut the dog some slack and give it some respectful distance. If I'm working with a dog that is shy, one of the places that I want to go to... Is a place where there are people and none of them care about the dog. None of them are even vaguely interested in the dog. Right. Because if I can get into a place where there are some people milling about doing their own thing, not acting aggressive, not yelling, and not focusing attention on that dog, I can really make progress on helping that dog around people. I can make serious progress with helping that dog around people hard thing is you take a dog like that, and then you have to try to back people off without insulting them. Why? <laughs> because you don't want to insult people because they, they mean well. That's why. They do. They because do. you know what? They, because you have to look deeper than just what they're doing and how annoying it is. And you have to look at the fact that, you know, they have good hearts, and they're trying what they feel is going to work. And they yeah. don't understand. Yeah, And so then what you need to do is... Make the best of that situation. Right.
1: And either either they're trying to help or they're fascinated by what's going on. And I think that's it a lot, that they don't realize that they are the cause. That they're just watching the dog react and either wondering how I'm going to get the dog out of it. Right. You know, how, how is she going to fix this? Or, wow, look at that dog barking. I wonder why he's barking. I wonder why he's screaming at the top of his lungs. I wonder why he's lunging. Oh, that's really interesting behavior. I wonder what's causing it. When the dog is obviously focused on them, but they just don't, it's just not clicking. One of the best things
2: that you can do for your dog in that situation is Remove them from that overly stressful situation mm-hmm. and realize that they aren't ready to be in that overly stressful situation. When you're working with a dog that has issues with f- fear or with shyness, you have to give them incremental. <laughs> Gains. You have to. You have to show them. You have to put them in a situation that is just very mildly uncomfortable for them, and give them something to build their confidence. Work with them on something to build their confidence. And that's
1: where tricks comes in. And that's one of the reasons we did. We talked about tricks was because doing tricks in this situation will help, but not taking them to a place that's overstimulating to them. Because I think that that's
2: probably what I see is that uh, the other they throw them into the deep end. Yes. The other thing that this lady was telling me was they tried two things with this dog. One of them was they tried... Everybody that came up to the dog, she tried having the or the people give the dog food. Right. And I said to her, okay, except the problem here is the dog takes the food. And now the person is standing there staring at the Even dog. Closer. And the dog's in very close proximity to the person. Right. As soon as that food is swallowed, the dog's going, wait, you're way in Too further close. than I wanted you to be. And, right. And can create a dog that then does what you will consider to be unpredictable because you've taught the dog not to growl. Look, come in. See, your nose is telling you there's something really He likes the
1: person because he took the food from them. But it wasn't about liking the person. No. It was about getting the food. Yeah. And now the dog is in in really too close to the, like you said, really too close to the person. And now they can't back away because they're not going to turn their back on the person. And the person
2: tends to be focusing every bit of their attention directly on the dog. Right. So that can be really difficult. A, a variation on that that I teach is I will have people come up and have that goodie and talk to me. Never look at the dog. Talk to me and have that goodie and really be waving that goodie around. Have it be something that really smells good. And just for a split second, look at the dog, look away, and throw the food at the same time they look, and then turn around and walk away. Right. Right. And then they've removed the pressure, and the dog goes, oh, okay. After a few times of this, the dog starts to say, okay, looking at me might be a good thing. Now, after a while, the people walk up, and they're
1: like, are you ever going to look over here? <laughs> look at me, please, please. Come on, look at me. Please yeah, are you at me. ever going to
2: look at me? And, and you have to
1: make sure that the look is just a glance. It's not a hard quick stare. Glance.
2: No, a quick glance, toss the food, turn around and walk away. Right. Turn around and walk away. And so what happens is then we start working on... Getting a slightly longer look, or a slightly longer time standing there, right? Or we start working on getting the dog to get slightly
1: closer before they look, right? And we start doing these things using small changes, right? And somebody that you can instruct, because a lot of people who think that they're doing the right thing, they may do it a couple times right, and then once the dog is going is begging, please look at me, what, right. then they hold out the food, the dog takes it, and they try to pet the dog. And they think they know what the dog that, needs next. Yeah. Right.
2: And they don't realize that there is, a, there is a reason for everything that we're doing and that all the steps are every bit as important as the end product. That All the steps that we take in between are to help the dog gain that confidence naturally mm-hmm. and get to a place where he, well, not just is okay, but welcomes it, mm-hmm. where he wants it to happen. And, and the key to that is removing the pressure. What's your, how do you usually start with a... Let's say you have a dog that's been doing what this dog has been doing. This dog has been – oh, the other thing I was going to say is with this dog, the other thing that she did was try to take him to a shopping mall where there were a whole bunch of people. And I laugh not because I'm critical of her because, you know what, I I feel for her. I think that she's in a tight spot. She doesn't know what to do. She hasn't gotten any really good instruction. And she's doing everything that she can think of to do. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. taking him – to a shopping mall where there are tons of people is exactly what's going to work against her, right? Because she has no control over the people, she has no control over what happens, what yes. kind of moves they make, how loud a noise they make, what you know, how much attention they focus on the dog, any of those things. So hopefully, we're going to talk, and I'm going to help her through this problem. But, but these are some of the things that I'm hoping that if people listen to, they'll realize these are mistakes, and there's a reason that they're mistakes. Right. So, what is your way? What's your principal way of dealing with well? Hmm. Well, Let's see depends, a, dog like this. On the dog. a dog this. This is he's a medium-sized dog. Okay. When he sees people, as I understand it, I haven't spoken with the woman yet. I've just spoken to a friend. But as I understand it, he sees people and he starts to do the barking bit. Bark, 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 bark.
1: Okay. And, he, and he's trying to stay away from them. Oh, he's trying to stay away. He's trying to back up. I would... Gosh, now I have to think. That's how I understand it now. I have to – I
2: really have to talk to the
1: ladies Okay. well let's use that as a hypothetical. Okay. I would probably teach – at first, I would probably teach a leave it or off, meaning don't look at it. Look at me. Mm -hmm. Okay. In this situation, your best bet is to look at me. Mm -hmm. I will protect whatever is behind you. You know, I've got your back. You look at me. Mm -hmm. And then once the dog is comfortable doing that, then I would probably go to – Paying the dog for looking at whatever it is. And mm-hmm. again, I could be 30 to 50 feet away or even, you know, farther or less. I'm going to vary the distance depending on how reactive the dog is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And what I would do, like, let's say it's a dog that's, we're talking about just strictly people. I think so. Okay. I don't know. So, like, let's say. In our hypothetical, say, we are. Okay. So, like, let's say uh, I needed, I wanted to, to deal with people. I wouldn't go, like, let's say I did go to a shopping mall, not a shopping mall, but a shopping center, I would stay in the parking lot where people are going from their car to the place. I'm not going to go up to the sidewalk to Mm -hmm. the place in front of all of the stores where everybody is walking Mm -hmm. along the same, you know, the same path. I'm going to stay farther away so that I can just see the people going from their car to the places. Mm -hmm. And it's easier for me to, to change the distance between me and between the dog and the people. Mm -hmm. And it's just ideally one one or two people at mm-hmm. a time. Then I would reward the dog for looking. So it's kind of like what you were doing mm-hmm. as far as the person looking at the dog, mm-hmm. then them walking away. So instead I'm teaching the dog that looking at the people is actually a good thing. Right, right. Um, that that might be where I would start. Again, depending on the dog, and, it's and so and variable.
2: And again, we don't outline protocols on these intentionally because there are so many variables in a situation like this that you really have to be able to assess – the situation individually, and we're just trying to give you some concepts rather than specific protocols. This is a situation that that requires somebody
1: really assessing it and trying to figure out what the best way is to approach it with this dog. Right, right. But let's say I have somebody who who has a fearful, reactive dog in their house, and they have people come over a lot. So, like, they just rescued this dog who's fearful and reactive, and people come over. I would teach the dog a safe place to go lie down. hmm A safe place. Like, for example, I think I mentioned this in another podcast, that I had people who had just recently rescued, like, a Border Collie mix, and they had been keeping her on a leash attached to them. hmm And it was a bad place for the dog to be. Because then the people had a hard time interacting with their guests. Mm-hmm. Because the people couldn't get very close to them. The dog also was in a real comfort zone being next to their people. So that made them be a little more confident and or possessive mm-hmm. of their owner, mm-hmm. okay, and they're confident also because their owner is there so they're more likely to lunge out at somebody and chase them away because, of course, as soon as they did, then the owner would pull them in tighter, mm-hmm. which is the wrong thing to do in that instance. And another way they tried to handle it was to put the dog in the kitchen behind a baby gate. Well, if people, if they have guests over and the people want to come and go through the kitchen to get food or drinks, then they would have to go through the dog to mm-hmm. do it. And so here, now the dog feels trapped in the kitchen because they can't go, because she couldn't go anyplace. place. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we they had this landing on the stairs where she could see the people. It was out of the way. Nobody had any reason to walk that close to the landing because from the living room to the kitchen is right. where most of the I think people you talked about this where the concept. path right where the path went so she could be up on the landing where they put a baby gate at the landing so that she had the landing or she could go further up the stairs. Right. So that then every Every time if she, like let's say she got reactive, they would then go up and take her up the stairs farther right. to teach her. If you get uncomfortable, don't get reactive. Just go up the stairs. Right. And then we went from that to whenever somebody walks by, they started sending people just walking past there. Not towards her, but walking past like on a diagonal, not looking at her. Mm-hmm. And checking a piece of food up onto the landing. Right. Right. So that it got to be, so she was in a safe place. People weren't coming at her.
2: If you're going to use food, I think the thing to remember is this, that you don't want to use food and pressure. And I think that's the problem with using food. I think that a lot of times people want the person to feed the dog. They want the person who scares the dog to feed the dog. And I understand the theory there. The theory is, look, they aren't so bad. They have good stuff. But unfortunately, what happens is all the things that make the dog uncomfortable tend to come as a package deal with whatever that one good tidbit or morsel is. And unless you can carefully control how the people interact with the dog, it can cause as much harm as good. Because just because they eat something good doesn't mean that they don't have all those same reactions to Right, and not
1: only that, but then you can cre- you can create a response to just the smell of that type of food. So like let's say the dog really, really, really loves hot dogs. And so you start using hot dogs for this, and it still puts the dog in an uncomfortable position. Then from then, you continue to try to use hot dog, and you could elicit that response just from the hot dog.
2: Yeah. Well, I actually think we're kind of coming to the end of our time here, but we do have some more to say on this. So maybe we will continue this in a part two. What do you think? Yeah. All
1: maybe right. Maybe a shorter one, but Yeah. Okay, so for now, this is Kim Reinhardt of Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Burhani from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Thank you once again for joining us. See you soon.
0: You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at dogdishtopics at yahoo.com. To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818-800-4818 or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. Thank you for listening.